Father, you are the fullness that fills all things. In you, we move, we breathe, we have our being. You are God, the true and the living God. And there is no God beside you. And you give us the, the privilege and the honor and the joy of being able to come and have an intimate time of fellowship with you. We might sense your presence. We might feel your nearness, Lord. And all, all the things of this world that just fade away when we are beholding you face to face as we are right now. So I give you thanks and I give you praise for that. And I lift up those who have come here this morning perhaps with heavy hearts. For whatever reason, whether it's relational, financial, spiritual, physical, I know that you will meet them at their greatest need because you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. I know that you are compassionate and merciful. So I ask, Lord God, that you would help them to, to see and to hear what your spirit would say to their hearts this morning. And I pray for those, God, here who have taken on the mantle of ministry, who are actively engaged in what we would call priestly duties, loving one another, serving one another, going about your work, Father, with your anointing and with your power. May they be encouraged this morning and strengthened for the task that you have given them to do. And may you fill them also with the joy of the Holy Spirit as they sense and feel your smile upon them. So now, Father, we, we come before you and we're going to get into your word. Thank you for this Sunday, this worship service. Thank you for now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, <coughs> you may be seated. Chapel Arrowhead. Uh, I'm going to give you guys some announcements today and tell you guys what's going on. Um, so tonight at 7 p.m., the youth are going to come and uh, see each other again face-to-face, -face, and it's going to be super fun and awesome, um, but proper proto protocols will be followed, such as masks and social distancing. Um, Tuesday night, we'll have a men's prayer group. It's going to be from 6.30 to 7.15. And that's going to be at the church, and you can come here if you would like, but if you do not feel comfortable with that men, you can always uh, join in on Zoom. That's totally okay with uh, us. Also, Saturday, the 18th, we have a special event. We're going to, at 7 a.m., we're going to help um, uh, Courtney, a single mom in our congregation, and we're going to help her move. We're going to take all her... Um, stuff in her house and we're going to pack them in a pod storage unit and that's going to be uh, the Saturday the 18th at 7 a.m. and we need all the help we can get. Um, the more help we'll have the faster it'll go and it's going to be an awesome opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you feel called to do that please come and help. It's going to be awesome. And if you need anything else, any more information, please check our check out our e-bulletin on our website that we have now. Pretty cool. Now with that, I'll invite Natalie to come up and read God's word.
make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil, then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them so they will be most holy, and whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on anyone else's body and do not make any other oil using the same formula. It is sacred, and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from their people. This is God's word. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Natalie. Appreciate it. All right. Well, um, just want to hone in a couple details. Um, the youth group tonight is at 7 p.m. Did you guys know that? 7 p.m. All right. And the special packing is, is uh, we're going to do this in a pod that's going to be in the driveway. We're not going to be taking anything anywhere to another place. So we're just going to take it out of the house into the pod. And if we get enough people there, two hours, we're done. Okay, because it's all packed up and everything is ready to go. All it needs is the muscle, and that's why we have Thorson. Okay? <laughs> Good. All right. And uh, you can get more information on the bulletin if you like. And the e-bulletin is on our website. You probably, well, no, I won't go there. Um, <clears throat> Angel, Eric, Eric's Angel's husband, uh, he had his gallbladder removed, right? He is recovering fine, all right? They were worried that it was cancer, but it was not. It was, it was just, well, but yeah, praise the Lord for that. But of course, the other thing is that Angel's ready to have a baby. Right? The baby has dropped. I don't know what that means. I know what it means when I drop a baby. My, uh, my Danae has a scar on her chin because of that. But So <clears throat> that's how I, she, we didn't have her beautiful voice this morning. And then the other golden voice that we have, uh, Natalie, uh, her father has come down with COVID. Okay, and she has been exposed to him, so she and Roy are self-quarantining for the next couple of weeks. So uh, we appreciate your prayers for them, all right? And then hopefully everybody will come back. Um, I'm thinking to myself, please, please come back. <laughs> all right. Okay, now, having said that, let's open our Bibles to the book of Exodus. You should be there already, I hope. Um, I want to be careful how I say this because uh, I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. Last few weeks, last month or so, I have been ministering almost weekly to, to people with severe mental illness, um, some who have gotten themselves into some deep moral issues, many who have fear and anxiety issues and dealing with people who are suffering from COVID, some re dealing with relational issues. I wrestle in prayer over my call to teach the word and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and then think of creative ways to spur people to good works, which is what I'm supposed to do according to Ephesians. And then there's the foster kids at Avisa's house. And I go there and I, I try to mentor as much as I can, but you know, and you know this feeling, it's just not enough of you to go around, right? I'm able to mentor one young man a couple hours a week, but there's more, there are 11 of them in there and many of them need 
someone to come alongside of them. Now, I'm not soliciting your sympathy, okay? I don't want an Amazon gift card. Um, these are precious opportunities of ministry, and I don't want to mess them up. That's the reason why I bring that up. I want more than anything to have the anointing of the Spirit so that I serve the Lord well, that I serve the Lord effectively, that I serve the Lord with the right heart and with the right attitude, and that I serve the Lord with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I see that that was the key to, to Jesus' ministry, was the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was special, right? And it wasn't just because his mother said so, all right? He was very special. The ministry that he performed as our examples, um, the healings, the, the bringing people to God, the, the otherworldly teachings that were blowing people's minds, raising people from the dead, all of these things he did at the direction of the Father and under the anointing of the Spirit. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? Have you ever given it much thought? It wasn't like he could just get up one day in the morning and just go to do whatever he wanted to do. He spent time in prayer to get direction from the Father, and then he was sensitive and led by the Holy Spirit so that when he spoke a word, it came into being because it was Spirit-anointed. Remember, Jesus left his glory and he, he took on the limitations of a human. And as a man, he received the anointing of the Holy Spirit just like I must and just like you must if you're going to be effective in serving God. In Mark chapter 1, you see Jesus being anointed with the Holy Spirit. It says, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We know the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Right? We also know doves as a symbol of peace. Yeah? I don't know where they got that from. Have you ever seen doves? You ever watched doves feed and eat? They are aggressive little buggers. <clears throat> They're mean. Okay, so how they ever got to be the symbol of peace is beyond me, but that's another story. Now, if Jesus had come to earth and behaved like God, I mean, not needing any guidance or any help because he had all his glory, I couldn't relate to him and he wouldn't be my example. What I mean is this. If every time that he was challenged by a Pharisee or a Sadducee, and he called down a nuclear-tipped lightning bolt to fry the person. Uh, he couldn't be my example as to what I need to be powerful in ministry. I mean, I would love to learn that trick. Trust me. <clears throat> if every time he got hungry, he just made a Happy Meal appear out of thin air, well, he couldn't be my example of dependence upon God. You know, uh, if he had gone to the cross and then somehow got himself free and lowered himself and then wreaked havoc on the Romans and then turned to me and said, okay, when you have problems like that, you see, just do what I did. I couldn't do it. It's, it's beyond my reach. It's beyond my relatability. Instead, Jesus said, I'll depend upon the same power that Pastor Dennis has to depend upon in old Peoria, Arizona. As all of us have to depend upon the Holy Spirit. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Jesus performed his deeds with power. He spoke with wisdom and power. He conquered sin and death with power. And here's the point. We have the same person of the Godhead with the same power available to us to fulfill the high and holy calling that God has placed upon our lives. But rarely do Christians tap into it because rarely are they even focused with the mind of the Spirit of what the Spirit would have them do, where he would have them go. 
because we are very busy living our own lives. We are a kingdom of priests. We are his priests. And we learned last week that as priests, we offer up spiritual sacrifices. Sacrifices of praise, prayer, and your person. Everything you are. Loving him with what? All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you get done doing that for the day, all you do is collapse into bed. Right? We serve as mediators of the presence of God. What do you mean by that? Well, we simply preach the gospel to tell people how they can have a relationship with the true and living God. In, in a sense, we're like a gatekeeper, but we always keep the gate open at all times. <clears throat> as priests, we assist young believers in their understanding of God, mentoring and discipling and bringing them into the fullness and maturity of God, of Christianity. As priests, we move in the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, the um, <clears throat> priests of the Old Testament, they had the Urim and the Thummim, which were rocks to tell the will of God. Um, how it worked, we don't know, but it was mysterious and it was spiritual. We have the Holy Spirit within us who gives us supernatural gifts that usually are worked out very naturally to help others, to fulfill our ministry. We maintain the beauty, we maintain and beautify the worship of God, the place of worship, and we pronounce the blessings of God upon the people of God. All right. To me, that sounds like a full-time job. How about you? Okay. But the thing is, is that you do this no matter what your real full-time job is. You're always looking and listening to the Holy Spirit to see where he wants you to minister. That's what your life is to be all about. But if you're going to do it effectively, then you must do it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we get in trouble oftentimes. <clears throat> we tend to do things in the flesh. We can say that in the flesh, right? What does that mean to do it in the flesh? You do it with your own intellectual understanding. You do it within your own understanding of how to get things done. You do it with all your own strength and power without tapping in, again, to the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? It's this, and if you're taking notes... This is a good one to take. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the divine influence upon a person's life that designates, equips, and empowers them for whatever ministry or office that they fill. Okay? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the divine influence upon a person's life that designates, equips, and empowers them for whatever ministry or office that they fill. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I used to run with groups that used to say that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is when you begin to talk in tongues. Or the anointing of the Holy Spirit is when you get up in the middle of a service and you begin to run around the edges of the church wrapping a flag around you. I've seen it. That's the Spirit. got a hold of me. <clears throat> something got a hold of you but I'm not sure it's the same Holy Spirit Okay, let's look today at verses 26 through 30 let's look at these verses in light of the different stations of service and ministry the tabernacle represents to see the relationship between the minister and the filling of the Holy Spirit because when I say minister I don't want you to get the wrong idea it's not this guy up here. It's all y'all, okay? All of you are called to be priests. All of you are ministers, whatever it is that you do for a living. So let's look at verses 26 through 29. <clears throat> it says, with it, with what? Well, the holy anointing oil, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. With it, you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base, 
and you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Do you remember Bill and Ted? This is just most excellent, right? <clears throat> Another way to say that is that this is just excellent, excellent, but that doesn't really, you know, play well in the script. The phrase there, most holy, is literally kadash kadash, which means holy, holy. You shall consecrate them that they may be holy, holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. Now what they would do is sprinkle oil on these pieces of furniture and utensils and the tent of meeting to mark them as consecrated, as this is holy, guys. All right. And what that would do is place in the mind of the priest that these articles of consecrated furniture and this place of meeting were very, very sacred, connected with God, and to be treated physically and in attitude with respect, reverence, and awe. You guys, when you were teenagers, you did that. Yeah, you put that sign on your door, right? It was either one that says there's nuclear material inside this room, or you said this is a most holy room you cannot enter. Enter on pain of death. All right, well, in verse 26, they're told to anoint the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. Do you guys remember when we went through this and we were praying through the tabernacle that these symbolize meeting with God? having communion with God and experiencing the Shekinah glory of God. This is a place where the believers, the servant, the minister has personal access and intimate fellowship with the true and living God. This is where you yourself are filled with joy and made exceedingly glad. I don't know about you. But today's worship, as um, challenged as it was for me, as I was listening to you sing, I felt like I was in the presence of God. And over me came just a peace, just a, a sense of his nearness and his presence. It was good to be here. That's what we're talking about. It's a joy, and it makes you exceedingly glad. Psalm 1611, if you got your Bibles, turn there. Psalms is about in the middle of the whole book. Find chapter 16. And it is because of these verses here and because of the truth and the principle I just stated that I'm constantly, constantly encouraging you to get into the presence of God on your own, personally you have that quiet time, that devotional time. Look at Psalm 1611. He says, you will show me the path of life. God, you will show me the path of life. And notice it says, in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. That word fullness means full and overflowing. Okay, it's when you're not paying attention and you're putting milk or coffee or a Coke in a glass and you're not paying attention and it overflows the top over the counter to the floor. He says your joy in your presence is fullness, full and overflowing with joy. Now, <clears throat> at the beginning of the service, I, I gave you a little hint about what joy is, right? It has little to do with your feelings and everything to do with your relationship with God. Because in his presence, where's the safest place to be? Where's the most comfortable place to be? Where's the most fulfilling place to be? In his presence. Okay, Psalm 21, verse 6. Psalm 21, verse 6. <clears throat> it says, for you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad with your, your presence. Who's the him? Use the him, okay? You are him in this psalm, in this verse right here. He's made you exceedingly glad with his presence. 
In God's presence, it's joy, pleasure, blessings, exceeding gladness. I mean, Costco-sized gladness, all right? Costco-sized. Now, since we don't have either the tabernacle, <coughs> tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant, where do you actually physically go to have this intimate fellowship? Well, 1 Corinthians 3.16 gives you a hint. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Why don't you turn there in your Bibles. I love hearing the rustling of pages or the uh, seeing the fingers swipe up and down, sideways, vertically. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? All right. That word you could mean just you personally, but if you, were, if you have a King James Version, you notice that it's translated ye. Do you not know that ye are the temple of God? That means you, plural. It's speaking of the church. Wherever the church is, that's where the party is at. Do you get it? As you are gathered here in this local congregation and as other churches are gathered around, that is the temple of God. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3.16, I think I have the slide up there. This is the amplified version. It says, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has built his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually? So this is where we gather. This is a place of fellowship where we are filled with his joy and made exceedingly glad. At least we should be, okay? At least we should be. So there you go. That's one place where we physically go to experience the intimate presence of God. Secondly, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and look at verse 19. Paul writes, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Let me tell you how the New Living Translation renders that to give it a little bit of clarity. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You are the temple. You are the tabernacle. You are where the Holy Spirit dwells. Within you, there is symbolically the Ark of the Covenant where the Shekinah glory dwells. So what does that actually mean? I mean, where exactly in our bodies do you meet with God? Oftentimes, I've asked you to bow your hearts with me, right? And what am I doing? I'm asking you not to fold your heart, all right? But I'm asking you to now close your eyes and go to that place within your mind where you will talk and listen to God. That is the most holy place. That is where God's glory dwells in us. John 14, 23, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He's there. He, he's there. I remember in Sunday school teaching about how Jesus could come and live in your heart and having a little six-year-old sit there and stare at her chest, saying, how in the world does he get in there? All right? But he comes in there spiritually. It happens. That's the part of you that actually responds to God, your spirit. Andrew Murray, God created man's heart for his own dwelling place. He says, sin entered and defiled it. Through the incarnation and atonement of Christ, our redemption was accomplished and the kingdom of God established. Jesus could say, the kingdom of God has come unto you. The kingdom of God is within you. 
It is within. We must look for the fulfillment of the new covenant, the spirit of Christ in us, as the power of our life. So that's the first thing that is anointed with the Holy Spirit, okay? Tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the place where you will meet with him one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, you following this so far? Okay, good, I'm glad. Don't all speak at once, right? <laughs> oh, verse 27, Exodus 30, look at verse 27. In verse 27, you're told to anoint table of showbread, the golden lampstand, and the altar of incense. Now these are places where we go and actually do the ministry of the Father. The table of showbread is where we seek and receive our daily bread. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, what did Jesus say? Pray in this manner, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. What do we mean? Well, it could be literally bread, or it could be anything that you need to sustain your life and to sustain your life in him. And, and the, it, it, it's, it's said with the idea and with the eye towards helping others with what God has given you. Remember Chuck Smith? He said, can't share what you don't have. Okay? So this is where you ask for the things that you need. And remember, blessings are like measles. You can't give them if you haven't got them, right? Philippians 4.19 tells me that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So you've got the promises that he's going to supply all of your needs and that there's no good thing that he's going to hold, withhold from you. All right. But oftentimes, and I don't know about you, I don't know what I really need. I mean, I know what I really want, okay? And I've spent hours and days and weeks praying for what I really want, but it wasn't anything that I really needed, so it never came. But now I'm living for the true and the living God. What does he want for me? Well, Matthew 6, 8 tells me that he knows what you need before you ask him. Okay, and then in Romans 8, 26, I want you to turn there, please. Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So God already knows what you need, and you have the Holy Spirit interceding, praying for you according to God's will. So put those thoughts together, all right? Mix it all up, put it in your easy-bake oven, and see what comes out. You have a Father who knows what you need before you ask. You have a God who can provide for you through his riches in Christ. Are you following? You have a God who will not withhold any good thing from you, and you have the Holy Spirit who will pray God's will on your behalf. And you put it all together and bake it under that 25-watt light bulb. And what comes out of it? Everything you need. Everything. Everything that is good for you, whether it's food or shelter or sleep or clothing or security or employment or health or property, or love, or belonging, or friendship and family. All things that you need. The Spirit anoints this place of prayer by praying for you according to the will of the Father. 
because remember, Father knows best. <laughs> some of you get that. Some of you like, oh, come on. All right, let's go back. Next at the Golden Lampstand, we minister in prayer. This is where we pray for ministries and evangelistic efforts all over the world. Why do we do that? Because Jesus said in re sort of uh, referencing, I am the light of the world. Israel was supposed to be the light of the world to the Gentiles. Then Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he says, you are the light of the world. That's you and me. And uh, you know, we all learned that song in Sunday school, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan snuff it out? No. You guys, come on. Can you imagine how many servants of God there are? How many ministers? How many missionaries? How many pastors and teachers and counselors whose hope in their work has been disappointed? Who long for a manifestation of God's power and blessing in the comes through prayer. Prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the gospel has no more power to propagate itself than any other system of truth. This is the seal of its divinity. The anointing of the Holy Spirit on the preacher puts God in the gospel. It's your prayers, guys. Now, Following the golden lampstand, we've got the altar of incense. And if you remember, in Revelation tells us that the altar of incense is the prayers of the saints. This is another place where we desperately need the holy anointing of the Spirit to be able to pray effectively. Because here is where I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for your need. I'm going to be interceding on your behalf. In other words, I'm going to interview God and talk about you in a good way. All right. In a good way. For the things that you need. <clears throat> I spoke of, of ministering to some people who are seriously mentally ill. And it crushes my heart. It was a young lady that used to be one of my students in high school. And she loved the Lord so much, and she still does. But now she has this, this illness that, that causes her to do some things that just break your heart. And you cry out to God, please deliver her. I have another individual who is dealing with demonic oppression. These things require fasting and prayer to deal with. And I so much want the power of the Holy Spirit behind those prayers. You see, here at this altar of incense, we dig deep and we pray that whomever we're praying for, that even if the Lord is, is providing for them that new house or that new car or that job or that healing, but more importantly, that they have spiritual wisdom and insight to grow in their knowledge of God, that their hearts will be flooded with light so that they can understand the confident hope given to those that he has called, and that they will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Now, you Bible students might recognize that passage, okay? That's Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's prayer for the saints. And it's just another way to say, I'm going to pray for a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their lives. <clears throat> now think about it, all right? Think about it. Seriously. The multitudes of people, the multitudes of senior citizens, the multitudes of teenagers, the multitudes of middle-aged and millennials who need that prayer. Those who are sick and weary and alone, who feel that their prayers are not even being answered, who sometimes fear that their hope in Christ is in vain. And think of those who have heard of this life of abiding fellowship with God, of that strength and victory you can have in Christ, of the rest and, and peace, but somehow it eludes them. 
maybe that's you this morning. Oh, that God's people would pray. I wish, I so wish, much wish, you know, we have these tables set up for a purpose up here, and I know it looks like a COVID testing station. Right. <clears throat> Trust me, that's not what it is. But I wish there was something I could let you take before the service was over. Um, that was a spiritual tablet so that you walked out of here and everything that you ever wanted was given to you. I can't do that, but I can pray to the one who can meet your needs. All right. Um, Ian Bounds said, prayer is a far-reaching, excuse me, prayer is far-reaching in its influence and worldwide in its effects. It affects all men, affects them everywhere, and affects them in all things. It touches man's interest in time and eternity. It lays hold upon God, and it moves him to interfere in the affairs of earth. It moves the angels to minister to men in this life. It restrains and defeats the devil in his schemes to ruin man. Prayer goes everywhere and lays its hand upon everything. Prayer. Prayer. If I wanted to convict you about your spiritual life, all I'd have to say is, so how's your prayer life? <laughs> we need help to pray effectively. And our prayers need to be prompted and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now, back in verse 28, if you're still in, in Exodus chapter 30, the next thing we see that needs to be anointed is the bronze altar, or called the brazen altar, and the <clears throat> bronze laver. Okay, remember, we're anointing these things with oil. We're consecrating them. We're saying, this is, this is holy furniture. It belongs to God for his purposes. And I am sharing with you what those purposes are, and I hope you're taking it to heart. The bronze altar represents atonement sacrifice, first of all. We know that, okay? But you wouldn't have gotten this far in your ministry and walk if you didn't already receive that atonement sacrifice. So what's needed now is not so much a sacrifice to atone for all of your sins so that you, you, you have your pass into heaven. What you need now is to present your body as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I beg you guys, I beg you, please offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's your reasonable worship unto the Lord. So you need to offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. And you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to stay on that altar. Just think about it. You ever tried to get a cat to stay in one place? Right? No, it, it doesn't really happen. And that's the problem with living sacrifices, is that they continue to crawl off of the altar. You're sacrificing your life. You're saying, I'm making your priorities my priorities. I'm going to be doing your bidding for the rest of my life. My life isn't just about me. I, I give you a great example of someone who um, was very, you might say, successful, but had this in mind, this principle that I'm teaching you in mind, giving himself up as a living sacrifice. His name is Jim Elliott. You guys remember Jim Elliott? Some of you recognize that name, right? He was an NCAA Division I wrestling champion. Okay, that is pretty rare air for anybody who has competed in sports. He has made the top. And so you would think that he would channel that into fame and fortune, you know, go on a speaking circuit, join ESPN and, and get an SB and all of those kind of things. He says, I don't exercise my body so that I can become a championship wrestler. He said, I exercise my body so that I can give God a fit body to use for his glory. Now, it resulted in an NCAA Wrestling Division I championship, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But then he took, and he went by his, the calling that he felt that the Lord had laid upon his heart, and you guys know the story, right? He went to South America and began ministering to a tribe who had never heard of the gospel and ended up giving his life for 
some people would look at that and say, man, that was a waste. You think he thinks that was a waste? <laughs> no. He is in heaven with the Father, with all of the other saints, and in a billion and a billion and a billion years, he will never regret the little sacrifice that he made, putting his life on the altar, being a living sacrifice for the living God. We need the Holy Spirit to help us with that. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, He who established us with you is in Christ has anointed us in God, is God, excuse me. And 1 John 2.20 says, You have an anointing from the Holy One. Every believer is anointed and has been set apart for God's service. Our lives are sacred. And that being so, it is your reasonable service to offer it up to God. All right, you will find your highest fulfillment. Um, one writer says, we belong entirely to the Lord. After all, we were bought with a price. We no longer belong to ourselves, but to God. This has a staggering implication for everything we do and everything we have. All right. And finally, we have the labor, where we wash with the water of the word. Okay, you remember that? I know that's Christianese for meaning. We get into the word of God. We read it. We allow it to transform our mind. That's the washing of the water of the word so that we begin to see what God's thoughts are, what his priorities are, to see what the truth is, and also to see the precious promises, the principles, the precepts that he gives us to help us navigate our life. Here at the labor, we ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us because spiritual things are only spiritually discerned. That's what it says in Corinthians. A lot of people in the world don't get what I'm talking about right now. You're probably saying, I don't get what you're talking about right now. But it's because the things that are of the Spirit are only discernible, only understandable for those who do have the Spirit of God. In John 14, 26, Jesus says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So it's just as much as you need the Holy Spirit to guide and direct and anoint your life for just receiving your needs, you need him to help you understand the book that we all cherish and love. J. Vernon McGee, how many of you heard of that guy? Right? <clears throat> One of my favorite old-time preachers. He's the one that told his daughter who came home from college with the new hairdo, called her the abomination of desolation. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. Some of you need to read the book of Revelation to figure that one out. He says this ministry of the Holy Spirit is very important. He doesn't give you a mail-order degree, nor does this knowledge come in a gift-wrapped box. You have the Holy Spirit to Christian friend, and he alone can open the word of God to you. That is the reason this is a miracle book. Amen. Every ministry you undertake must be anointed by the Spirit for it to be effective. All right, verse 29. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy too. Well, let me just really quick cover this part here, okay? If you touch anything that is holy with something that is not holy, what gets transferred? Your holiness or your uncleanness? Well, think about it, okay? I took this big pan of Enderman's uh, brownies cream cheese swirled all the way through, right? Beautiful. I mean, it, was, it was a huge pan. <clears throat> and I brought it before my Bible class, group of ninth graders. And I said, okay, this is clean. <laughs> this is holy, all right? And they were digging on it because they're, they're thinking they, they see this coming. They're going to get a piece. And I said, yeah, I took out a knife because I'm going to cut up in pieces. 
But before I did, I took a small little rabbit pellet, and I don't mean the kind of pellet that you feed them with. I mean the thing that becomes a pellet after they've eaten. All right? And I crushed it in my fingers. I had gloves on, okay? And I spread it all over the top of the enemas. And then I cut it up. I said, okay, come on up. <laughs> Amazing. I didn't get one taker. Not one. Why? Because I took what was holy, touched it with something unholy, and it defiled it, basically. It desecrated it. You get the idea? So what he, they're saying to, to Aaron and to Moses and to the people that all of these things are, man, they're just super holy guys. Don't touch them with anything that is profane. Don't touch your ministry that is anointed by the Spirit with something that will defile your ministry. Well, what would be? What would that be? Well, iniquity, impurity, unforgiveness, a root of bitterness. Um, those are the things, wrong motivations, serving out of guilt and shame rather than serving out of excitement and love. All those things will defile the ministry. Now, I know you'd be tempted to say, well, you know what? If that's the case, I'm out because there's no way I can do any ministry with purity, right? Is that true? Okay, maybe it's true. It's true for me. Okay, you guys, you're just sitting here. I know not why. What is this, guys? Soap. What do you do with soap? You clean yourself, right? So what I suggest to you is that when you are in that place where you're getting ready to minister, but you realize your motivation's wrong, your attitude stinks, you're angry, you got this bitterness towards someone else, you're dealing in moral impurity, I suggest to you that you take out the spiritual bar of soap. Okay? What does that say? Who knows it? Who knows it? We confess our sins. He is to and cleanse. Cleanse. Take care of it right now. Just take care of it so that you can minister in cleanness. All right. Without the touch of the supernatural, service to God is as dry as dust. So the Holy Spirit comes to rest upon and dwell in the ideal service. This is J. Oswald Sanders. He says, are we greater than our Lord? Can we do effective ministry without the Spirit of God working through us at every step? God offers us the same anointing, the same anointing that Jesus received. He gives it to us. When you became born again, when you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came in to dwell within you, as did the Father, as the Son. Okay, so maybe it's a little crowded in there. I don't know. Now, you have the anointing of the Spirit that will come upon you to make what you do for Him powerful. He's not looking for your ability. That gets in the way. He's looking for your availability, your humility, your desire, your submission. And if you have ability, that comes after all of those things that he can use, that he can fill with his spirit. You see, Jesus' ministry, what, began when the spirit descended upon him at his baptism. And then after that, he began to shake the world like it's never been shook before. All right. Here's the question. This is why the tables are up here. And, and the guys that I've already asked you to come and pray, elders, come on up. Would you please, ladies, come on up. Do you want God to renew the working of his spirit within you? Are you willing to yield yourself to the spirit that dwells within you? Do you desire a refreshing of the Holy Spirit? And are you willing to be prayed for to receive that fresh anointing of the spirit? Come on up, guys. Come on up. Well, what I have up here 
is an opportunity for you in an act of faith to look to God to renew the working of his spirit within you. What we have here, can I have one of those, please? Like I said, it looks like a COVID testing station, but it's not, they're not long enough, okay? Simply just come forward when we begin to, uh, after I pray. One of the elders will dip it in the oil. There's oil in here, by the way, okay? Don't drink this. This is olive oil. And they'll simply anoint you by making the sign of a cross on your forehead. All right. Nothing special, nothing supernatural, okay? You're not going to get a buzz. You're not going to get a high. It's simply, it's simply going to be a symbol of where your heart's at, okay? Asking for a fresh renewing of the Holy Spirit within your life. And then they will pray over you and pray with you. And when we're done, we will all join together in, in one last worship song and we will be dismissed. All right, let's all uh, well, just stay seated there as you um, as we pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And we acknowledge both your presence and our need for you, Lord, for you to fill and anoint our lives once again. It may be, Father, that our experience in you and with you has become dry as dust. It may be that our ministry has become ineffective I pray now, Lord, that you would please manifest yourself as people come forward, Lord, to receive a fresh, renewing filling of your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, this expresses your desire, would you please just come forward and receive it?
Shall we stand, please? We entered in with thanksgiving and praise. We entered in with joy and gladness. And now we will declare that our Father will strengthen us now as we walk out these doors. Right? I can do all things through Christ who? That's right. So shared with you some ways to wait upon the Lord in different areas of ministry and personal and intimate fellowship with him. I encourage you this week, you find time to wait upon the Lord and you see the joy that will just envelop your heart. Let's clap our hands. Rises with waves. 